Welcome to Squawk. My name is Luke. I'll be your host, and my guest today is Brian Nixon. And if you've listened to our previous podcast, you've heard us before tackling questions. And without any prep, that's going to continue to be a part of the show, and it makes it exciting for us and hopefully just as exciting for you, our listeners. But we must begin with our die roll so that we can that's choose right. which of the many questions that we have here. Yeah. And if you happen to tune in last week to hear about the story of the die, this morning or this afternoon, I've selected a purple die rather than the blue the die. Blue because we can go either way. That's right. And, and as we pointed out last week, we're kind of following suit of how they chose the 12th apostle, you know. <laughs> they just rolled or picked you know so we're just we're just keeping in line with the apostles <laughs> so let's just see is it going to come up matthias or no? yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right so here we go number four you know that is really strange four. that one comes up more often than any of the others maybe this is a weighted to die you well, know I it changed it, the die i don't well, know i know but you remember you last week you you said boy i just searched high and low for these maybe you found some <laughs> Illegal weighted die. Maybe that's why people are stealing it. Yeah, that's right. That, that this one's just weighted to four. But number four. Number four. All right. What do we have now? Oh, now this is going to be interesting. I say that about all of them I know. But yeah. What is the role of social media in a Christian's life? Oh, boy. Boy, oh, boy. <laughs> now, it's a great question, and it's really a relevant question because social media is, you know, whether we like it or not, part of our life. Now, before I I give, um, you know, the big picture and, and give you some resources to, to consider and what have you, let me just confess. This is confession time. I'm, I'm, I'm imparting... <laughs> you know, the epistle of James here, confess <laughs> your sins to one another. So I'm not a big social media guy. Um, I wasn't on Facebook for years. I, you know, Instagram. And then my book publisher finally said, you need to get on these things. So right. I got a Facebook page and I tried Twitter and then I got off Twitter. You and sound so excited about yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> I, and, and so my, my bias is that Overall, overall, I find it to be a big waste of time. And I just need to say that up front because as we try to tackle a very good question, um, I just find that it could suck up time like no other. You know, you're on Facebook for 10 seconds and then two hours later, you're, you know, you're still on it. And I just said to myself, I will keep Facebook for the sake of my publisher. So, you know, they say, oh, you have some social right. media outlet. But I have told myself, um, I will limit my time. And this is where, you know, your phone tracks that as well. And I remember several years ago, a pastor who was on staff here, he has since went out and planted the church. He grabbed my phone. He went to this thing that tracks how much time you've spent on social media. And he went, oh my gosh, Brian, I've never seen someone so low. <laughs> and mine, you know, it was like 15 minutes, <laughs> something else of that nature. And I said, well, that's because I don't have a lot of social media and I'm proud of it. And this again was several years ago. And then I got on social media and one day, one day oh, I no. said, I said, ah, oh, 
I'm just going to find this little tracking device that he said, and I'm going to look at it, and I'm going to determine what my phone is telling me. And it, it said something astronomical, like it was two hours for that day, you mm. know, on social media things. And, and I know I was right in the middle of trying to put stuff up about the book and all this, but I said, absolutely, I cannot be spending that much time because two hours in social media for me means it's two hours taken up from spending time with my family or two hours spending, you know, time, you know, writing another book or working on a song or painting or all the other things I do. And so I said, I need to stop. And, and so I really limit my time on social media. So all that said, Luke, that's my bias. So I want to hear your bias now. I will say in general, I do not like the way that social media gets used in the lives of many people. Right. Now, as a result of that, I do not put Facebook on my phone. Don't mm -hmm. even have it on there. Mm -hmm. I don't have any social media on my phone with the exception of something called Band that I use for my Connect group. And it's right. just for prayer requests. I do have a Facebook that I use that is literally the only place that it can be found is on my desktop computer at the house. And I don't take any time really responding. I'm the moderator for a couple of groups. I'm probably the worst moderator in the world. Mm. No, I think <laughs> because, I'm probably that. <laughs> because, you know, only when there's a, a five alarm fire, will I, you know, jump in there and be like, okay, this needs to be directed in this direction, et cetera, et cetera. And so usually the person who's owning the group will have to contact me and say, hey, we need to have more moderation on this. Because mm -hmm. I've just got, I've got too many irons in the fire, like right. you were saying, Brian. However, I do use it if I have something that I want to say, I want to say to somebody other than just myself sitting in my room, mm -hmm. I will usually make a post about it. And I don't particularly care how many people like it or don't like it. I'm just sort of venting, but not in an angry way so much as, you know, sort of just, I don't know. I don't know what the word for it would be. But, you know, like if I was reading Karl Marx and was reading Das Kapital and I'd made some observations, I'd post something like that. Or if I was reading Solzhenitsyn, I would post some observations about that. So I just use it for things that I, I don't think they're really flippant. You know, I, I don't post a bunch of memes. I just, I just don't use it like that. Mm -hmm. Now, what's funny is that if I come across something in my feed, which I might take five to seven minutes to scroll down, just to only scroll down that far to see what one of my 150 friends that I know personally mm -hmm. might have posted, you know, somebody posts the far side or right. something like that. But I heavily curate everything. Like if it's something, if, if someone does something one time, or if I get an ad from someone one time, I just immediately go in there, hide ad. I never want to see it again. I don't want a bunch of stuff coming right. into my feed. I don't use it for my source right. of news. I don't. So I know I am an atypical user. And I'll say this because it's a funny story about this. So several years ago, I was doing web development to do lead generation. And I was taking some information in from a group that specialized in this, and I was going to use it for residual income. And it was a great, it was a great system. But one of the things that had been developed was called SocialBot. 
And what it intended to do was to find people on Facebook who match your Facebook in order for you to be able to communicate with them about business opportunities. Mm -hmm. And so it was made to go through your friends list, go through your appetite in the media, and then it would start automatically sending friend requests to people that you didn't even know, but that were somehow or another connected to your network by type. It would not work with my Facebook. Hmm. <laughs> I didn't even have enough information on it for it to be able to find anybody. And so I contacted guys. I paid a lot of money for it initially with a business investment. It was something like 90 bucks a month. It was right, right, heavy yeah. duty subscription. And I said, this isn't working for me. And he said, well, he goes, I guess you're just one of those people. <laughs> so I was like, so that subscription ended quickly, but that, that should tell you a little bit more about, um, you know, yeah. the level of networking that I use it for. But ironically, I do manage the Instagram and the Facebook for the college and this broadcast or podcast is posted on those things. So I know how to do all the integration. Mm -hmm. I know how it works. And in that sense, I think it's very, it can be used very advantageously to people who are interested in what it is you have to say. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I agree with you. And I think like anything, there is a positive and a negative. The positive, at least for me with Facebook, is I get to keep tabs on my family that I normally would not be able to see. Right. So that's a positive. It connects me to, to family members and, and some friends. But primarily family is, is you know, um, who I, I really focus in on. And it, it, it provides me or my family an opportunity to say, hey, here's, here's what we're doing, you know, grandson shots and all of that, just to keep family family, you know, posted. So there are benefits to it. But I personally think a lot of times the, the deterrents outweigh the benefits in, in many, many respects. And I can't underestimate or, or, you know, stress enough that technology has truly transformed mm. our culture. No, no question about Absolutely. it. And as a matter of fact, uh, you know the the name Neil Postman, Luke. But back in 1992, he wrote a book called Technopoly, mm. The Surrender of Culture to Technology. And if it wasn't such a dated book, I would tell everyone to go read it because really his focus on the time was, you know, radio and TV and this new thing called internet that's coming up, <laughs> you know, that type of thing. But he does he does stress in this book that with the emergence of technology, it is one of the major historical shifts in our culture. So, you know, you go back to other shifts in culture, the use of tools, the yeah. use of, of, you know, printing press, and all of these major shifts that change society. Well, technology has done that for us. And then Neil Postman goes on to argue that our authority and authenticity in technology, and the problem is we've allowed technology to dictate, you know, what we think and what we believe and who we mm -hmm. are. And so because we're, we're investing um, technology, be it social media or internet or anything else with, with our knowledge and our political slants and our, our renting and so on and so forth, it can become a very tenuous place 
where ideology that is not becoming, not helpful for society right. at all, could get out there and you know really get other followers. Let's think of you know some some jihadist terrorists or white nationalists or you know you fill in the blank right. of where stuff that's very very harmful for for society. So that side of of technology and social media, um, though I believe in freedom of speech, I really do. It, it is a freedom of speech that really needs to be watched and monitored because it can lead to the murder of human beings or the undermining of government or civilization or you know so on and so forth. But anyways, going back to Neil Postman, Technopoly, when when I read it years ago, I was like, yeah, he he's so right. Now now Neil Postman's not someone, he's not a He's not a Luddite. Yeah, he's not a Luddite where he's going, get rid of all technology. <laughs> you know, he's not Amish. He's he's none of that. He's saying, you know, just just be mindful, be aware, be be careful how you use technology. And and as we now, and and you pointed out, Luke, I think which just you gave a real life incidence, is everything is so tied to algorithms now mm. that you are being marketed to on a daily basis. You you are not you know, I'm not Brian Nixon on my Facebook post to Facebook. I am an advertising number that, you know, they get <laughs> advertising agents and they they target yes. me with different things and so on and so forth. So we have to be aware of all of this stuff. And and I'm not, you know, into a conspiracy thing. Well, Big Brother's watching you, you know, but he is. <laughs> but yeah, Facebook is definitely watching you. And so is Google. And so is Instagram. And so is TikTok. And you fill in the blank. Right. All of these things are definitely watching you. They're monitoring you. There's too much money to be lost if they didn't watch it, you because you know it's all about the demographics. And there's been multiple lawsuits that's exactly right. about that very thing. Yeah. And, and that, that um, really kind of frightening documentary, I think it was on... Netflix several years ago about the, the, the imposing nature of, of social media and these guys who created it, they knew it. They, they knew, you know, yeah, it will lead to addiction. It'll lead to, you know, the dumbing down of the American. It will lead to all of these things, but it was dollar signs that mm -hmm. were leading the charge, not so much about a person's well-being or health. And then some of these guys, I remember one moment, this guy, he's all nervous on the camera. He goes, you know, I could be sued for this. And he's like playing with his hair and, you know, like, you know, he's, he's, he's unquestionably nervous, but he felt a moral obligation to, um, to, to, to tell people to monitor what's going on. On that note about a moral obligation, I think something positive mm -hmm. in addition to what we've said, I love the idea of... The marketplace of ideas. Right. And social media originally sort of had this promise, right? You know, right. there were, I know <clears throat> Facebook, the backstory to that is, you know, a guy, I think at Harvard is, is making up a, a matchmaking software right. and then that becomes what it becomes. You know, this is after the older stuff where everybody had the MySpace pages, right? So there were already sort of rumblings of how big of a market this right. might be where people wanted to have their own little personalized space where they could show each other who they were and have chat and all that stuff. And I remember the old chat rooms and stuff in yeah. Yahoo before yeah. those got taken away. And a lot of the bigger places where you could have this collaborative group of people who wouldn't normally ever be in the same room to one with one another. I used it 
actually, and so did my wife. It's actually how we met mm-hmm. years and years ago. This is back, um, good grief, almost 20 years ago yeah. now in yeah. Yahoo chat rooms doing Christian Yahoo sure. chat for the apologetics, defending the faith. And a lot of things have changed since then, not just in how social media is run, but also in how culture tends to use it. And everybody's really concerned about free speech at this point, which I get. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that the marketplace of ideas is supposed to be able to preserve is dialogue, healthy dialogue, Mm -hmm. where people can do what they call playing gracefully with ideas. You know, where you're actually interested in the content of other people's thoughts and not necessarily trying to be assertive with an ulterior motive, etc. But I feel like social media is just a symptom of something that's underneath because we can point to all the different groups and Mm -hmm. how bad they are and how people use it. But really what's missing is virtue, Mm -hmm. like personal virtue and you know, if the world became a smaller place due to social media, people say, well, now the world has become evil or more evil. Well, it's arguably, we might be able to make that case, but is it that the world has become more evil or that human beings who were not previously attached to so many other people who had dedicated their lives to these things are now able to be in the same room with one another? It's one of the, the big concerns mm-hmm. with the Internet mm-hmm. was... 50 years ago, it might take you quite a bit of time to drill down into something to find somebody who was pretty nefarious. Mm-hmm. And now they're a click away. Yeah, sure. It doesn't mean that they themselves became more evil, but they're more accessible. Right. But that's a two-way street. Right. And, and that's part of the problem I have with social media is, you know, you could literally set up an avatar. You could set up a fake you, give yourself a, a picture and all that, and then just go on the rampage and, you know, you know, you'll never say anything to someone in their face or approach them, you know, but you could rant and rage and so on and so forth online. And it, 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 it just becomes frustrating because it's like, well, is this, who is this person and what are they doing? It, it, it really is. And, but I agree with you. I think the original intent of chat rooms and everything was good. It was exchange of ideas. It was the open marketplace of here's where I think and here's what yeah. I think and you know going back and forth. But now it's a lot of times it's become vindictive. And I, what I appreciate is about those chat rooms that are still going and very active, but they essentially have a curator. They have a mm-hmm. moderator who says, and you have to join the group. And the moment a person starts getting negative or doing anything against there, they they kick them off. They're done. And I actually would say that's probably the way to do it because there are people out there, that's all they want to do. They just want to disrupt and, and right. you know, bring chaos to a situation. But, you know, I mentioned this, this Netflix documentary and the documentary is called The Social Dilemma. Mm. And it was put out a couple of years ago, 2020. And I just want to read you how Wikipedia describes it. This, it says, the documentary examines how social media's design nurtures addiction, to maximize profitability and its ability to manipulate people's views, emotions, and behavior that can spread conspiracy theories and disinformation. The film also examines social media's effect on mental health, Mm. in particular the mental health of adolescents and rising teen suicide rates. This documentary that it was a pastor who told me to watch it, he said, you got to watch this. You know, I go, golly, 
it's so true. You you see so many things and how kids, particularly young kids, you know, you and I didn't have to face this. We had the right. social pressure of like any other kid growing up. But now you've got the social pressure from, you know, real life people. And then you've got your friends, your supposed friends on Facebook and TikTok and Instagram and whatever other thing you're on. And it, it, it becomes daunting and it becomes truly a, a mental health issue. There's a book particularly that's been written pretty recently. I, I do not recall the name of the author, but it's called Drowning in Screen Time. Hmm. And I've been able to jump in and look at sections of the book. I've not read the book entirely myself, but it really goes after being vigilant right. about how much time are you actually spending? What is the effect of this? Right. How is it having an effect on on your children and even you yourself? Yeah, no question. So, so you know, we started off the broadcast and I know we're not quite yet finished. And I said, you know, at the time, you know, I was horrified. At first it was 15 minutes and he goes, this is the lowest I've ever seen. You know, this was this pastor guy, <laughs> never seen it so low. And then I I was horrified when I one time got on and I saw two hours. So I, I, I have my phone before me and you could testify to this, <laughs> Luke. And I'm looking up on um, the same app that tracks your social media use. And I'm happy to say that it says 10 minutes. So I am back down to, uh, you know, uh, I think a reasonable place. Now, back to the question, what do we think of social media? We've spent 20, 25 minutes, you know, kind of giving our personal take. But I think, and you could give your, your takeaways too, I think when it's, done purposefully, you know, that you have a rationale to, to be on it, be it for giving information to family, as you said, exchange of ideas in a, in a safe place, or, you know, maybe it's to, you know, share the gospel or share, you know, kingdom ethics or something else of that nature. If it's done positively and effectively, I'm all for it. I would even say in those incidences, Unless it's your work, that's what you do for a living. I would say limit your time. There's so many other better things you could be doing with your time than scrolling through, you know, social media posts and liking things. I would say, you know, and again, this is just a dad and grandpa speaking, (laughs) but I would say, you know what? Purposefully in your mind, say, I'm going to try to limit myself to under a half hour. Okay. You don't get through all 200 and 50 posts that, you know, your recent ones you got in the last 10 minutes. Okay. You don't. Um, or maybe just know who, you know, your key friends are that you really want to follow and, and so on and so forth. Right. So I would say, use it positively, use it in really set parameters. And that's where self-discipline comes in because we all know this has an addictive behavior. They've, they've proven this over and over. So say, I'm going to only use it for a half hour a day. I'm going to use it in a positive manner and I'll just, I'll I'll use it effectively. I would say if you have an addictive personality or you have a personality that just continually wants to rage and berate people and so on and so forth, I would say just get away from it. Go out and take a, a, a 30 minute jog or walk as opposed to sitting there for 30 minutes and getting your blood pressure up. You know, there are a lot of other things and I've had many friends and I'm sure you have as well, Luke who they said, yeah, I, literally my blood pressure would just boil. I got off social media. It, it, it's just a, a royal waste of time. And I said, good for you. 
than, than you needed to get off of it. If you can't regulate right. your time, if you can't have self-discipline, self-regulation, you probably shouldn't be on it. So that's, that's my answer to that question. What would be your answer to that question? So my answer to that question, I think I agree with everything you said. You've got to be self-regulated. You've got to handle this as a stewardship. But something that I found, one of the reasons why I began to make a trek away from social media as a, as a medium itself is because initially I was heavily invested. I was the one that was on the message forums. I was in the chat rooms. We had our own chat room where we were doing doctrinal exposés and things like that. And I found through the course of experience, we're talking over the course of 20 plus years mm -hmm. in various forums, that it was not as effective as speaking to someone face to face. Mm -hmm. It just wasn't as much as I wanted it to be because the draw is, man, there's this huge audience out there. And there are people that, and we're not talking about like watching a sermon. We're talking about dialogue. There's something that's static, and then there's something that's dynamic. Just like with a virus protection program, right? You need to have a firewall, but then you need to have something that actively looks for new infections coming. S social media is inevitably more of a static medium. It doesn't mean it's not addictive, but Somehow or another, the way that it generally affects the human psyche is different from a conversation. It just is. Mm -hmm. And I don't have a way to put my finger on it, but it's the difference between being in the room with somebody and being on a Zoom meeting with mm -hmm. someone. It's the difference between taking an online class and being in the classroom. Mm -hmm. There is something that is fundamentally different about the way that it affects you. And so while you, it's still a great tool, I'm not saying don't take online classes. I'm not saying don't ever talk to anyone online, but be aware that there is somewhat of a reduction of the dynamics about how God made people to interact. He gave us a face and eyes and ears for a reason, and it wasn't to be filtered through an electronic thing. It, it takes something away from it. You know, you can watch a lot of videos about climbing trees, but there is something different between having that experience and watching it happen. And there's something different about interacting with somebody. And the reason I'm bringing all this up is because when you're sharing the gospel with somebody and there's a level of anonymity that's there, or when there's a level of separation somehow, maybe there's somebody you can make the argument, there's somebody you never would have talked to before. Great. Share the gospel with them, plant a seed, but don't let it replace that. I'm, bringing all this down to a head, don't let your time on social media replace your organic interaction with your environment, because I promise you, it is not as spiritually formative. You will not feel the same watching a video of people being helped who are homeless as to where you're out there doing it with them. Mm -hmm. You will not feel the same sharing the gospel over a mic as you will sharing the gospel face to face with somebody. And if you allow that to become the sum total of your human interaction, you will begin to deteriorate emotionally. There's just something different about it. You will deteriorate psychologically. Not, I'm not talking about getting a disease. I'm saying there is a, there's a detrimental effect to where you need, whether you believe it or know it yet or not, you need 
face-to-face human interaction. It's how God made you. That's right. And you must steward that. So, you know, don't be the person that only talks to your kids on FaceTime. Mm-hmm. You know, even a phone conversation can be a little bit better than sending someone a text message where you're, where you're hearing that in an analog fashion or, you know, sitting down with somebody with a cup of coffee better than a Zoom meeting. This is the big pressure. It is literally dehumanized what it means to be human mm-hmm. in so many ways. So, and that's, I think, even more dangerous for Christians because if the world ever needs to be confronted face to face with a real living, breathing Christian who evidences the filling of the Holy Spirit and the power of God, it's now. And it's mm-hmm. not just going to happen because you posted something great to your Facebook page. You need that. It's spiritually formative. So, I know I'm repeating myself at this point, but that's that's my takeaway from it. it. Yes, it can be used to great good. Make it a both and. Don't make it to the exclusion of your organic interactions with your family, friends, those who are lost, etc. Amen. I think I I think I couldn't have said it any better, and I, that's where I would leave it. That we have answered question number four, even though we're suspect now that this die <laughs> may be weighted. Exactly right. <laughs> But definitely appreciate you who are listening. If you have your own questions you'd like us to tackle, don't forget, email us at calvary.college at calvaryabq.org. Again, that's calvary.college at calvaryabq.org. And until next time, God bless you and thank you for listening.